All right, everybody. Welcome back to episode three. Correct. I think All right. right. Cool. F three. F three. Sweet. Uh, I'm Chris, and today we have Joshua. I'm the gunsmith here. Well, yep. One and of the gunsmiths. Richard. The gunsmith. what I'm an instructor. Yeah. Of what? Everything. <laughs> and Kyle. <laughs> I'm Kyle. I'm one of the firearms instructors here. Awesome. All right. So today's topic, we are going to be talking about. Well, what are we talking about? Common mistakes while practicing and training. So I think we're in a really cool, unique situation where we get to see a lot of people coming into the range. Some of them are lifelong shooters. They're awesome, they do great. And some might even still be lifelong shooters, but make the same mistakes every time they come in. So we all thought it would be useful to share some of our insight as far as better ways to maybe practice, some mistakes that we see people making on a consistent basis and maybe some tips and tricks to get better. So we'll start with a really simple question, at least I hope it's simple. What are the fundamentals of safety when it comes to handling firearms? I think Chris should do that because he, he has the best spiel. Oh God, <laughs> that's gonna take up like half the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I am not doing my spiel. Come on, he spiel. opens up and says, hey, now here's the deal. We, we got rules here, man. That is not what I sound like. I could quote a large portion of your spiel. I, if my wife hands me that gun and says, baby, don't worry, I'm going to still check. That is true. That is actually accurate. It's sad that people try to memorize your spiel like movie quotes. I know. But it, yeah, you, know, like you know what, though? I think it's a pretty good spiel. Fence post. Yeah. Whatever. If it... I hate you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> I don't have to do this. Chris, Chris is the only one in the room with a Christmas hat on. So Yes, right. Be merry. <laughs> right. Be merry. The yep. beatings will continue beating until with, morale improves. Exactly. For those of you who aren't in this room, he's literally wearing like a Santa Claus felt hat with a little poof ball for some reason. And earphones. And, and the, the headphones because <laughs> yeah. it's classy. All right. Rule what, number one. Yes. Always assume the firearm is loaded. Don't take one. someone else's words for, for it. Actually, um, it, it's odd working here. You know, the more you instruct, the more examples you get. And so the example I use with people is um, I had someone come in for training and they had two guns and we sat down and I went to clear the firearms and they told me, oh, it's okay, I unloaded those at the house. I was like, okay. And I opened the slot on the first pistol and a bullet came out of the chamber. And <clears throat> they noticed that. I set it on the table and they said, where did that come from? And I said, well, it came out of your gun. And they said, that's not possible. I unloaded them at the house. I said, okay, well, you unloaded the second gun at the house too, right? And they're like, yeah, sure. Racked the slide, bullet came out. And so then I stopped telling people, hey, don't, don't take anyone else's word for it. It's really don't even take your own word for it. Don't ever assume because she, that person had 100% belief that that firearm was not loaded. Thank you, Josh. Those were sleigh bells ringing. Is that what it was? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Or the phone. So that's my example for always assume the gun's loaded because, you know, we have people walk in every day that just know that the firearm is not loaded and it actually is. Yeah. I think we've all seen someone come in and, oh, don't worry, it's not loaded. Yeah. Yep. Okay, rule number two. Uh, when you pick up a firearm, you want to point it in a safe direction. Kyle, now, what is a safe direction? Okay, that just depends on where you live, really. Are you in the house with other people? Um, 
What are you doing over there, Josh? I'm unplugging the phone. Josh is dismantling the, the store during the podcast. <laughs> if you call now, you not get through to gunsmithing. Okay, so uh, if you pick up the firearm, you got other family members in the house or, or whatever, uh, always first consideration yourself. You know, not flagging your leg or your foot or your groin or something like that. But if you pick up the gun and you're pointing it toward the wall, not necessarily a safe direction if you're... Uh, kids or your wife or husband or whatever the case may be is in the other room watching television because most calibers including 22 LR which people say is uh, nothing more than a BB gun super false will shoot through sheetrock like hot butter and kill somebody watching kill a television 22. in the next room yeah so safe direction and then thinking about what's beyond your target kind of goes into that same one which is the last one yeah so, rule number three number three number three um, number three I- Oh, trigger control. Yeah, well, that I think is the the worst one. Generally, the analogy I use is you know whether or not you've ever touched a firearm, you have bad habits because there's a lot of things that you're going to hold and your index finger is the control on. So, like if you run a cordless drill, an egg beater, a pressure washer, a Windex bottle, you know, <laughs> you have held something and your finger goes on the button that makes it do what it's supposed to do. So you already have a ton of muscle memory to when you pick up a gun, your finger's gonna cram in that trigger guard. And then beyond that, not just people having their finger in the trigger guard, which you know makes me have to fix things on the range, they'll float outside the trigger, not laying their finger on the frame. So if they have some sort of uh, muscular impulse, maybe hot brass goes down their neck, Maybe they get tripped. Um, maybe they have some sort of involuntary muscle spasm. Their finger will then go right into the trigger guard and pull it off. Though their finger's not on the trigger and though they're technically out of the trigger guard, they're hovering right over it and it, they're not far from pulling it instead of having their finger pressed to the side of the gun. And I, I hammer that point home in my classes too because just like Josh was saying, in the absence of any training, you revert to whatever the muscle memory is and even if someone's never had any firearms training, I think, I don't know what the percentage is, but if, if you were ever a child, odds are you played with a BB gun, mm-hmm. you played with a cap gun, you played with a squirt gun, laser tag, paintball, airsoft, and all of those Wait, as no children. Nerf guns? Nerf guns, sorry, didn't mean to leave those out. God, you gotta bring in the Nerf guns the Nerf into guns this, man. <laughs> well, I was actually thinking, because the other day I was playing with uh, my buddy's kid's <clears throat> Nerf gun, and I was around a bunch of people and I noticed that I had been playing with it for a couple minutes and I had been keeping my finger straight to the side, yeah. what would be the slide, and I'd been keeping it in a safe direction <laughs> unless I had it pointed in a safe direction <laughs> yeah. and then I'd put my finger on the trigger. just like this mindless yeah. thing. I'll walk around. You do that. When, with... I, when I use a screw gun. Yeah, I was going to say, you time. do it with a power drill too? Yeah, with yeah. a power yeah, drill. I mindlessly, and I notice it and I'm like, oh, that's kind of stupid. I'm like, no, I'm no. going gonna, gonna to no, keep that That's a good practice. Memory. Because people learn the inverse mm-hmm. and then when they pick up an act firearm they've already learned an incorrect way of holding the firearm from all those other things so that's a critical one all right and the last big fundamental rule is aware of your target be aware of your target what's around it and beyond it you know I say in my spiel you know (laughs) (laughs) uh, we're shooting at paper bullets go through paper you know if you're shooting headshots on a paper target at three yards you're probably shooting the ceiling and if you're shooting low shots at three yards you're probably shooting the floor uh, try not to shoot the ceiling or the floor. My um, most recent example, my last CCH class, um, mm-hmm. I had a guy sitting against the wall in the classroom, and somebody was shooting, and it sounded like somebody was knocking on the wall right next to his head. Yep. 
and they're just not paying attention to what's behind the target. Stop class went out and got someone to go into the range and stop that person from shooting a wall. Yeah, and it's and the one thing I guess that's important about that one is yeah we're in the range. It's a fairly controlled environment. You know the range is fairly bulletproof on each side and the walls. It's, it's pretty dummy proof. Yeah, it's, but at home. Yeah. You know, if it's a um, defending your home situation or defending yourself, you know, there's there's generally something that will yeah. stop that bullet if you miss. And it's paying attention to what is uh, that backstop at yeah. that point. Yeah, or even just shooting outside, you know. If you yep. go out to our range and look at the, the ceiling tiles, which are their armor plates, they're made for mistakes. But a lot of times it's not mistakes. People just, they'll be sitting there shooting headshots, sitting down, and they're, I'll be like, hey man, you, you can't shoot the ceiling. And they're like, I'm not. I'm like, no, look, look, look where you're shooting. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the target. It must be somebody else. I'm like, no, what's behind your target? Draw yep. a line. And they really, they're like, oh, yep. um, you do that outside, you're lobbing mortars that are going to be falling. <laughs> I mean, really. And yeah, yeah. You know, lead falls a lot harder than rain. It can absolutely <laughs> and has historically killed people. Yeah. Make it, make it rain, Josh. Yeah. So, uh, my next question that we have here is, which one of these do we see broken most often? And kind of the follow-up to that is, who breaks the rules the most? So, out of those big four fundamentals, you know, we have some house rules here too, but out of those four rules, which ones do you guys see the most? Trigger. Trigger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Trigger is probably the, the biggest one. It's yep. almost an unconscious or subconscious it's, thing. It's muscle memory. Yeah, yep. they have bad muscle memory. And... Who breaks it the most? Everybody. Everybody, right? Everybody. <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you know, shooters fall into a range from I've never held a gun before, and and I think they fall into a range of attitudes to I have no clue what I'm doing, up through proficiency and competency, and then I think we get into oh I know what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and then there's that overconfident shooter. So they can be a great shooter and overconfident and still be breaking safety rules because they know what they're doing. Oh, I got this. Yeah. And that's just as dangerous as the person who doesn't know not to put yeah. their finger on the trigger. I think I think that one's the biggest one where you have to hold each other accountable regardless of, you know, if you're buddy-buddy or if you don't know each other or whatever, you know, finger off the trigger, finger off the trigger, finger off the trigger. and Because sometimes you just don't realize that you're doing it. You know, if you're even an experienced shooter, you may not... Now you're focusing on your target and then you go to reload and mags out, slides back, but your finger's still on the trigger. And sometimes it's just a matter of reminding your buddy who's doing it, you know, hey man, finger off the trigger. Like, oh, oh yeah. And until you get enough of those. <laughs> yeah. And that that's one of those things too, is we're not ever not gonna hold somebody accountable for safety. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes people get upset with you because you mm-hmm. go in there and say, hey, you need to be safe. It's for your benefit and for our benefit, you know, like, it's like the police. They don't hate you specifically, but they're still going to arrest you if you break the law. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we're not ever going to let safety slide. We're going to always hold people accountable for that. It's an ego crusher. And that's one thing that I can definitely say is the guys specifically, they they just, it hurts yeah. <laughs> when somebody has to correct them. But, you know, if, it, if I was correcting their golf form and they don't play a lot of golf, they wouldn't have any problem with it. It's just somewhere in their psyche that they should be inherently good at this. Yeah. But, but I mean, then again, you know, we play the, the numbers game here, you know, we see a ton of shooters. Yeah. From from folks that literally have never, you know, even seen guns before to folks that compete, you know, in what, competitions weekly. Yeah. And we've had guys in league and in events that are, well, we've known for years. 
-hmm. And you know, they're they're ninety nine percent of the time great, and it's just a lapse in something where to say it's a quick little nudge. Hey, 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 don't forget finger off trigger, safe direction. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. And you know, we never say it with. with like a negative intent. Like we're never out to be like, oh, we're here to punish you. It's, you know, safety thing. Right. It's so funny to hear you say that with a Christmas hat on. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it should be, um, you know, in the basic marksmanship fundamentals, that should be right at the top. You know, it's just, when you're doing advanced courses and you get, get past those um, static situations, you're shooting under perfect conditions and stationary targets and you're going on the move and you're starting doing defensive stuff, it has to be a thousand percent compliance on finger, you know, on the trigger. Uh, when you get out on a flat range, whether it's hard clay or in our case, uh, concrete, and you have an unintentional discharge, um, somebody's going to be wearing shrapnel, you know, in their legs for the rest of their life for potentially the instructor, and that's just not going to happen. So I call them on it. So I will do a disclaimer, you know, right out of the gate. I say, you know, I'm not here to hurt your feelings. Uh, but I'm going to call you on it because there's no room or margin for error in firearms. You you mess up one time, someone bleeds, yeah. uh, loses a toe or whatever. So um, it has to be, so you, you can't be afraid to step on your buddy's toes. If you see it on the range, you see a total stranger doing it, call them on it, okay? You're doing what's right. Yep. Yeah, and one of the things that I generally tell people, because a lot of times people think I'm trying to put training wheels on them, I'm like, no, this this isn't kid gloves. This is how SWAT moves through a house. Your fingers off the bang switch till you've got you know your sights aligned. That's that's just the way this works. It's yep. it's. I understand that you know they don't do that in Tomb Raider, but this is how you're actually. <laughs> that's Tomb be. Raider twice today, <laughs> by the way. You've well, been you playing watch like movies. Guys mm-hmm. always have their finger. I mean, that's, oh, it's terrible. You watch it you know, now. That's like, how they shot the guy in Pulp Fiction. You know, his fingers in the trigger. They hit a pothole. Wow. <laughs> you know, Tomb Raider and Pulp Fiction all within a minute of each oh, other. Next thing that's you know, amazing. you're doing upholstery work. You got to call the wolf. <laughs> it's <laughs> call the wolf. So I mean, you know, finger out of the trigger. Call it what it is. There is no accidental discharge. You nope. freaking pulled the trigger. Yeah, yeah. negligent okay. discharge. Yeah, yep. There's, yeah, there's I no started accident using here. the phrase negligent discharge yeah. years ago in replacement because I heard it had it explained yeah. to me. I was like, oh yeah, that's that's a much better phrasing of it. Yeah. And I, I teach that. In the only stage. true accidental discharge is a mechanical failure, which does happen, but ninety nine percent of the time, what we're talking about is where someone, someone most times somebody's finger to press the trigger. And yep. even mm-hmm. even the mechanical ones usually, or more often than not, it's somebody who's I'm a had gunsmith. Had you been following well, had you been following the rule of keeping the gun in a safe direction? and treating it as loaded, then that would be, so you're stacking up safety protocols. So if you have, you make a mistake and your finger went in the trigger, at least you had it in a safe direction. If you didn't have it in a safe direction, at least you had your finger off the trigger, you're stacking up fail safes with that system. And we're not just talking about pistols, it's rifles, shotguns, because you got that hunting rifle, you have that trigger job and it's got a two pound trigger, it'll surprise you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the second most common is the slide bite. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's like tracking a deer from the range of the bathroom, <laughs> the little blood drops were... Uh, yeah, the other day yeah, Josh was like, who's, who's bleeding? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. But yep. A lot of times they'll just try to sneak their way to the bathroom yep. and wash it off. And generally, you know, and what he's talking about, for those of you that don't 
you know work in the industry or haven't done it yourself is you know if you're holding a pistol you want both your thumbs on the same side of the gun if you were to wrap a thumb back behind where the slide's going to operate then generally speaking it's going to railroad your thumb and that's going to end up being somewhere between feeling like you got your thumb slapped with a ruler really hard to needing stitches and we've only had I've, I've seen two, moan. I've, yeah, I've, I've seen, I think, two people leave here and need stitches. I've been here for five years. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, it just hurts a little bit or they need a Band-Aid. Yeah, right. it's a, um, and a lot of time it's more of a bruised ego. And what's funny is I've uh, gone out there and guys are had their thumb wrapped. And I'm, I've gone out there, I see them on the camera, so I go out there to tell them, hey, you, you don't want to do that because, and his thumb's already bleeding. It's like, yeah, I've, it already got me once. And it's just they... They He's don't understand. Let's see if I can really get it to open up here. <laughs> well, they see who can hold they, this electric fence the longest. They just don't understand. Richard usually is a phrase, conscious incompetence and unconscious incompetence. Yeah. And that's basically what I think this episode is about, largely in part, is there's guys that come in like, I don't really know what I'm doing, help me out. And there's guys that think they know what they're doing. They're unconsciously incompetent. Yeah. Being consciously incompetent is knowing that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And those customers are a lot easier to work with and we can get them where they're going and not have any injuries or drywall work that we need to do. Whereas when you're unconsciously incompetent, that's when you need band-aids and spackle. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Let's see. Um, what are some other things that we see just a lot of uh, I mean, we have house rules here too, but um, I kind of wrote down, you know, uh, sweeping people, that sort of stuff. Like, what, what are some of the other like common things that we find ourselves, you know, being RSOs, uh, correcting people on a regular basis? What are some of those things that we see? We address it very often as how do I bring my gun into the range safely, and not point my loaded assault rifle at the staff when I come in. Which and for had, those yep. of you that are throwing the flag, we do have. Full autos here. So. Yes. Yes. That's not an assault rifle. That's not an assault rifle. That's a Marmalade rifle. <laughs> oh, sorry, son. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, how do you bring? Did I just gun? default to my own vo my mocking voice for yeah, that yeah, one? Yeah. That's awesome. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. So, how do you bring a rifle or a pistol if you don't have it in a case? You know, which is how that went down. Someone walked in with a a rifle. It wasn't in a case. The magazine was in it. The bolt was shut. There were three employees behind the counter. <laughs> And, and I think it was you said, hey, let me look at that. And the customer actually said, oh, be careful, it's loaded, after they'd already pointed it at all three of us. Yeah. Oh. And you're just like, well, that's, that's fantastic, man. And we really appreciate that. You know, appreciate your, you know, doing that to everybody here in the store. That's yeah. great. Thanks. Thanks so much. I'd like to go home at the end of the day. That'd be awesome. <laughs> right. And But no, I mean, generally speaking, you know, unless, you know, especially coming into the range, you know, bolt lock back, mag out, unloaded, safe direction. Yeah. And there is a vinyl printed sign with a lit cabinet that I made on the front door. I know people don't read signs. But they, don't, they don't look up. You gotta look, look up. for ninjas but to if, see that sign. Yeah, if you have a, a lapse of judgment and you want a reminder, it is like backlit and in red with like <laughs> orange caution triangles right on our front door about how to bring in a firearm. Okay. Um, hey, just yeah. as much as people shooting and then when they look at their buddy or you the gun moves with it <laughs> yeah the head like, follows their eye or the yeah. gun follows their eyes does your gun does your barrel or your muzzle have eyes on it is there any point that it needs to look around the corner at your friend you know yeah. or yeah. i mean come there on. are a million examples oh yeah I had a new shooter so happy they were they hit the target they were jumping up and down with a big smile on their face when they turned around still jumping to 
finger still on the trigger. They had just shot the target. I hit the yeah. target. Did you see that? I was like, turn that way. How about adjusting your hearing protection with a pistol in your hand? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, man. I had, I had, <laughs> Jeez. I had, no, no. I had a shooter that had a malfunction and thought that you checked the muzzle in to see if the bullet had come out. And I had to, I had to physically. That one was that your, person. that was your. Luckily, like, not a hang fire. Yeah. Yeah. So there's hang, all, hang fire is where you pull the trigger, you hear the, click. you know, click. And it doesn't quite go off, but that primer just hasn't ignited the gunpowder yet. So you have a click, boom. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, that, that length varies. So a hang fire, if you ever hear that click and you think it's supposed to go off, give right. it a sec. Yeah, and, and the give people at home, are, because they don't experience this on a daily basis, they're probably saying, what kind of, you know, fools are they talking about? Like, But the, <laughs> one of the guys that I know looked in the barrel of the gun when it didn't go off was armed security coming here doing his qualifications. Um, yeah. it, 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 you would be surprised the guys that are military, law enforcement, armed security, avid shooters, hunters, um, people that do competition that have just supreme lapse in judgment. And it's generally from that, going back to that, they don't know what they don't know. They have an assumption that they know what they're doing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, um, it's kind of one of those things that like when you're handling firearms, it's 110% attention. Yeah. Like it's not, I'm cleaning a gun, but I'm also watching TV. It's not a, I'm shooting at the range, but I'm also having a conversation with my buddy about, you know, the meeting we have later at work. And, and malfunctions are one of those things that people don't, don't get to practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when they're faced with that huge unknown, they, they kind of lock up and they don't know what to do. And if you don't know what to do, the best thing is to set the gun down, point it in a safe direction and come get Josh. Yeah, or one I of us. I'm throwing Josh under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, I've got another malfunction for you. I don't think anyone has experienced as many malfunctions as I have, at least on the pro shot staff. Yeah. Right. But this well, is that's because you are the gunsman. It's, yeah, it's like a good 20% of my day. Good. <laughs> Those of you that are listening, uh, we, we're not scaring you here. Uh, pro shots is a safe place to shoot. Yeah. Uh, we have we, never had to get a mop out. <laughs> we, we cover gun safety. If you haven't heard Chris's spiel, please just ask him. He, he really enjoys telling it. But, uh, I love my spiel. You guys give me so much grief for that. That's a good but, spiel. Um, but one thing Richard says in a lot of his classes is uh, practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. Yeah. So what do you mean by that? Um, and this ties into sort of the, the basic pistol class. But, um, you know, you can come to the range and shoot, and shooting is fun. Shooting is trying to hit the target, um, you know, getting used to your new gun, figuring out how it works, and, and just enjoying your time at the range. But uh, practice is different. Practice is directed. Practice is intentional. And I think a lot of people think they're coming to the range to practice, but they're really coming to the range to shoot, and they don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. And I, I liken it to walking into the gym on day one, and you can go on YouTube and see videos of people <laughs> using the machine in yes. a manner it was not intended to be, you know. Kyle shaking his head. <laughs> yeah. Kyle sees them more than we do because he's in the gym yeah. like every day. But if you don't know how to use the machine, you're not going to get any benefit from it, and you're probably going to, you know, sustain an injury so um, learning how to practice is important and that that covers a lot of bases there are a lot of different things you can practice um, in those fundamentals of shooting so deciding what you're going to practice and then coming to the range to practice that it doesn't take uh, a lot of rounds to establish muscle memory so you know guys come into the range all the time shoot 300 rounds but if they shoot 300 rounds incorrectly 
And, and the target looks like they hit it with a shotgun? Yeah. yeah. And all they did was reinforce bad yeah. behavior. You've created not only a, a large waste of time and resources, but you've actually gone backwards of knowing what you need to know because now when someone trains you, and I'll throw myself under the bus with them because I had an associate's in gunsmithing and had been shooting since I was a little kid and had done a lot. I owned a lot of firearms, practiced more than I would say most, but not super avidly. But then when I started hanging around a lot of guys that were more professional shooters, I realized I was doing things wrong for years and had spent a lot of time and resources ingraining that. And it was so hard to break habits. Little things like just the way I cha would change a magazine mm -hmm. was wrong. And it was something that was very difficult for me to rewrite that muscle memory to learn how to do it right. Yeah. All that time I had spent not only was wasted, but it was actually going in the wrong direction. But you had made it permanent by practicing. I had made it so permanent. So then when I had to relearn how to do a lot of these things, how to transition targets, how to shoot from certain positions, um, I had been taught to do it wrong or taught myself to do it wrong, and it was so much harder learning to do it right um, than it would have been to have just never practiced it before. Yeah, and I sometimes tell people, you know, a large portion of what I do is teach people to slow down and think about what they're actually doing um, enough to realize when they're doing something incorrectly. Because everybody, and Hollywood's done more to, to harm <laughs> our perceptions of firearms and what happens when we pull the trigger than anything else. But you mean I can't curve bullets? No, you can't throw them <sighs> around the pig carcass, sorry. Only Chuck Norris can do that. Yeah. Only Chuck Norris. <laughs> he wasn't even in that movie. <laughs> but, you know, I've got people that come in, and we, I, I had one person, we shot 20 rounds, and they improved 100%. Because... We shot 20 rounds very slowly, very deliberately, and focused on the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And 20 rounds slowly and correctly is better than 300 rounds fast and incorrect. Yeah. So practice, that's practice. Yeah. Shooting is great, but you're reinforcing bad behaviors. A great example of that is when I took your introduction to firearms class out. For those of you who don't know, I had to cover Richard because he was out pheasant hunting. In Kansas. And I had to cover his class of 24 people for a class I'd never taught before. So um, this is how did that go? By the way, it went really well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's already something I've been teaching for years in little segments and bites. I've just never done it as a class yeah. in front of twenty-four people. I, I just want you to know, I logged into the cameras that day and saw that class where people are sitting in the back, like standing room only for this class. And I was sitting there, literally with my feet up on the sofa, like <laughs> Josh. <laughs> and and I'm not a great public speaker, just by nature so that was stressful but anyway that that class is based around just what it sounds like introduction to firearms most people had never touched a gun before and when we went out to the range it's a conference-based class they only get you know a couple minutes of actual hand-on gun and they shoot five rounds out of semantic five rounds out of revolver and they were out shooting not just a little bit but by far everyone all 20 some of them that i ran through yeah outshot the other people that were shooting at the range recreationally that owned their own guns. My guys were drilling holes by comparison. Yeah. yeah. Um, sweating and nervous and don't know which way the magazine goes in. But that's awesome. But, like, that's really cool though. But they were drilling just from having some training. And yeah, then yeah. when they go out and train, they're going to, you know, really be exceeding, you know, what they're getting out of their training is going to be miles ahead of what someone else. It'd just be like if I bought golf clubs at a yard sale and just, I can figure this out oh, versus me actually going and getting some training. So, well, and the nice thing is they're a blank slate 
and then you give them mm-hmm. the correct information. They're and so much easier to train than, than people that have experience. Yeah. What um in basic pistol, so for example of like a good way to practice, so we talked about like how like the right way to practice is important. So for an example, what's one of the first exercises you do in basic pistol? Because um, basic pistol is a good class where we teach you how to practice when you come to the range. So what's a good exercise you do early on when we get, well, actually get on the range? In terms of practice, one of the first things I try to eliminate is shooting accurately or shooting quickly. Because that's like, if you look at a scale, accuracy is on one side, speed is on another. And they do not coexist. So if I'm shooting fast, I'm not shooting very as accurately as I would be if, as if I was shooting slowly. And so there are drills that are designed to teach you how to shoot accurately, and there are drills that are designed to sort of teach you how to learn to shoot quicker. Um, and one of the drills I like, and I know you use it, Kyle, is uh, the X drill, where we're shooting at the X. And that's an accuracy-based drill, and we're trying to learn something about how we shoot. We're trying to hit that X. You, this is the, the two rounds? Yeah, the same two point. rounds yeah. at each X. And, and if my first round isn't perfect, well, then I aim at the next, the bullet hole I created, and then we see where that bullet goes. And that actually, if you know how to read the target, tells you what your problem is. And that's fairly up close, right? I mean, yeah. you're starting it's fairly close. Yeah. yeah. Like three, three, yards. three yards. Yeah. And which sounds like when you put a target for somebody who's been shooting for a while, yeah. and you put the target at three yards, and they look at you with the face of, come on. And you're like, yeah. okay, put two through the same hole. Shoot it. Yeah, and put two through the same it. it's a It's a hard exercise. Yeah. And it's a great learning anyone experience. Would, anyone who's not practicing would be challenged to, to shoot yeah. that target. There you go. That's our challenge for the podcast. Come in, put, what, 10 X's, 12 X's on a back of a target, yep. two bullets at each X, and bring them into us and show us. First bullet at the X. Yes. Second bullet at the shot. You there you shot. go. That is your yeah. challenge for the podcast. If you've listened to however many minutes we've been going, bring it back into us and show us. We want to see what it. What will they get? I don't know. We'll figure that out after the podcast gonna, is over. You're going to hardly used Christmas hat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. this thing was at Lowe's. It was awesome. I was so happy to see it. But that's like an accuracy-based drill. I use the 3x5 drill. Do you use that? Yeah. Or you use the plates? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing X's and, and you shoot at 3 yards, if you shoot low left, okay, that instantly tells me there's one of three things going on. But if you get used to self-diagnosing, if you are off an inch low, inch left at three yards, what's it going to be at 7, 10, 15? It's going to be yeah. six inches, eight inches a foot. So I always tell people whether you've been shooting for 50 years and you are what you consider to be awesome uh, or right out of the gate, brand new, shoot that exercise first. It will get you settled in. Uh, even before you fire the first shot, go in there and fire or not even fire, do 10, 12 dry fire Mm -hmm. snaps of your gun, completely empty, just to get settled in that environment. Make sure the gun is not moving whatsoever. Because you've got mechanical errors, but when you have psychological or physiological combination of two, you have anticipation, that is really difficult to to reverse. But when you come in the range, start shooting some precision stuff. That aggravates me to death when people come in and and put up... um, you know, Bart the mall cop uh, target, the real big guy, and just start wailing at it. Yeah. You're thinking, man, I'm awesome. You're hitting it. You're just hitting it. But try something precise and see yeah. if you're hitting it. If you're not, yeah. then don't move that target back. Yeah. I mean, we have we have some good targets out there for for just that. I mean, we have some good targets back there. Um, well, and then I use that 3x5 drill where you try to get every shot inside a 3x5 
uh, index par. card. If you're really good, if you well, that's easy. Okay, put put an inch. Get go get the sink a ship target with all the red dots on it, mm -hmm. and put every shot through that red dot at three yards. Yeah, that's a good one. And I'd, when you can do that, move it back to five. Yep. And when you can do that, and that's not a ton to of ammo either. Like the other thing is, no. is you know, we're not talking about coming in buying a case of ammo to practice. You know, it's a box or two. You're going to be shooting those shots slowly because mm -hmm. that's an accuracy-based yep. drill. And you got to be accurate before you can be fast. So yep. there's just no, you yep. know. And I think it's things you, you have to, in separating accuracy from speed, you've got to be good at accuracy and, you know, accuracy gets harder the more you speed it up. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. So you can sit and, you know, shoot accurately, but then once you add speed to that, it's going to reduce your accuracy. So it it's kind of is two separate things. It's the walk oh, before yeah. the run. And that's that scale. But that the basic pistol class is designed to teach you how to practice and how to know what you're practicing. Yeah. And so. I think that's why it's more or less filled up. I mean, ever since we launched basic pistol class like what over a year ago mm -hmm. and it's always stayed fairly full I mean it's always kind of had a wait list on that class and and I usually have people want to stay late and yeah keep shooting because mm -hmm. once you you move from unconscious incompetence now to conscious incompetence and you realize hey I'm practicing those guys want to stay and shoot hey can I shoot that drill yeah man mm -hmm. shoot that drill yeah. again and then take this sheet with you and when you come in shoot through these drills well, I think a lot of people see themselves moving in in the right direction and wow I'm doing a lot better than I was last time I went to the range and the last 10 times before that like they see that big spike in their proficiency just by fixing that you know something like Takao would be really simple yeah your grips all screwed up no wonder you can't shoot fast because you can't control the gun you've got to do this and right. that little pointer is going to get them to where they can actually pace it and that that immediate reward gets people excited where they want to stay and I mean about every time I've stayed in one of your classes with you people want to stay and shoot late because like wow I can do this now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if they still got ammo they're like let's keep going. What are we waiting on? Like, oh, guys yeah. it's nine o'clock. It's time to go home. I'm like no we can stay. Josh you got to sleep. <laughs> yeah. You know I, I love staying but uh, I am married now so. <laughs> yep. Text the wife. Running yep. late. Running late. Sorry. Yep. Um, what questions come up time and time again in your one-on-ones? So Richard and Kyle, you guys both do one-on-ones every day. Um, I'm sure you guys get a couple questions that you answer all the time. Somebody breaking my house, I can shoot them, right? <laughs> you just like drag them in the door? <laughs> yeah, you, you need to take the concealed carry class. <laughs> uh, how often do you clean your gun? That's daily. Oh yeah, that's uh, a good yeah. one. So that's let me answer that for you. If you are, you know my spiel, guys. What do I say? Come on. If it's if a self-defense gun. If you're carrying it to defend yourself. Clean it yep. after every use. Yep. You want to be able to wood off of it. Do you want to eat, eat off of it? Eat off of it. Mm, I'm not eating yeah. off my cig. Though. And that's yeah. generally what I tell people, too. I mean, it, if it's a recreational gun or hunting gun, you could sit and say, well, how far can I push this? Because you know, I get that asked a lot because I clean a ton of guns. And I like to maintain the rental fleet. And I don't clean the rental guns every time somebody uses them. But for a defensive gun, absolutely, that's going to be what most anybody's going to tell you. Um, short of the people that are going to say, which is one step above, is to clean it, go shoot a few rounds to make sure everything works, and then carry it that way. Because you're yeah, not you using crows and go skydiving with a chute that looks ragged or yeah. repelling with a... Or that somebody else had packed. Yep. Right. Yeah. Hey, here, Chris, yeah. I packed your chute. Have fun. Let's go... Uh... I trust you, like, but <laughs> I don't trust you. <laughs> I mean, my fire extinguisher still has about 60%. That would be good. <laughs> Stop, drop, and roll. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What's another one? All the time. Yeah. Most of the one-on-ones are folks that are 
brand new. So there's there's questions, you know, from the get-go. But um, I think a lot of people don't realize, just in terms of semi-automatic firearm function, um, they don't understand on the pistol that that slide is coming back. Mm-hmm. They don't see it. It happens so fast, you don't see it. And they're like, so wait, you mean the slide comes back? Yeah, that slide comes back. And then we use the, the practice rounds to show them the function, the cycle of what's happening when they're pulling the trigger. And that's usually an eye-opener for them in terms of what that pistol's doing when they pull the trigger. Yep. How they're viewing the sights is probably the yes. most common Looking through the sights incorrectly uh, in relationship to your body, um, eye dominance. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of things right there that you can fix right off, right off the top. So here, here's our podcast. Don't do this while driving. Have you, okay. So how do you determine which eye is dominant? <laughs> <laughs> Take both your hands off the steering wheel. <laughs> Make a small hole and look at the bumper of the car in front of you. Maybe pick one of the tail lights. So, so put your hands overlapping each other. Uh, where the gap between your index finger and thumb, uh, trying to make like a small little oval or a small little diamond and, and pick, pick something probably about like 10, 15 feet away that's pretty small. Extending out your arms all the way. Extending right. out your arms all the way. With both eyes open, look at that hole or that spot and then close one eye. And if you can't see it, then that is not your dominant eye. Right. But if you close the other eye and you can see it, then that is your dominant eye. Correct. Your yeah. stupid left eye. <laughs> Yeah. It'd be a weird way to get hit by an airbag. Like, <laughs> or you don't have airbags, you remember, just Superman not through while the driving. <laughs> Not while driving, everybody, please. I don't want to get that phone call. I was listening to your podcast. Um, uh, let's see. Um, one thing, practicing. Uh, we always practice uh, in the range, and generally the lights are on. So... Is that a common thing? Like if somebody actually needs to use their pistol in a defensive situation, is that a normal environment? Usually a low light, low yeah. light situation. Yeah. So I forget the FBI statistics on it. There's a, a chart in uh, one of the classes. I think it's the introduction class. No. It's a low light. Uh, it's a low light class, yeah, where there's actually a, an FBI statistics chart of violent crime per time of day. And it's... It, yeah, it's pretty overwhelmingly likely that you're going to be in an environment that is low to no light. Right. I love that chart because all the 18-year-olds, it happens like right at 3 o'clock and then drops off sharply. So all their violent crime, 18 and younger, happens right after school lets out. <laughs> and then it drops yeah. off sharply. <laughs> but the the incidence of other violent crimes uh, does, it starts, it's pretty hefty rise yeah. until what? It's like three or four o'clock in the morning and then it drops yeah. off. And I would like to see one of those comparatively to daylight hours because, you know, six o'clock in the afternoon is dark sometimes and sometimes mm. it's till nine. But right. if you look at it, it's still right in that area where it's most likely dark. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so things to kind of consider, you know, we do offer a low light class. You gotta know um, how to do it. Have your gun set up for it. Yeah, yeah you gotta be. You gotta have a certain amount of proficiency to do that because y- your gun is to a lot of people. It's just a safety net, and it's not. Um, um, it's not an actual tool. Tool. Um, yeah. So I, I want to be able to see that you can operate the gun regardless of the conditions. Uh, it. You know, if you've taken classes with me, you know that. Once you go through the drill so much, we turn the lights completely out and you continue to do those drills, whether it's take your gun apart and put it back together or draw. Um, and 
and in your flashlight drills, you know, same thing. You, you've got to revert back to your training, and that is a thankless thing. Um, when me and Josh run our AR class, it's over and over and over again, and over and over and over again. So it's just uh, repetitive um, drills so that you don't even think about it when, when it comes time. And uh, that's the way it's going to be with uh, during the low light or, or at night. Well, because there's two other parts to that learning scale that I like to use that Josh was talking about. There's conscious competence. So you're aware that I'm better. Hey, I'm, I've gotten good at shooting. This is awesome. And then there's unconscious competence where you just do it and you don't have to think about it. And that's really what you're talking about is I execute mag changes without thinking about them. And therefore, I'm free to do other things mm -hmm. uh, yeah. while doing that. Well, I think one of the unfortunate things is a lot of people, like you were saying, think of the firearm as kind of a safety net. It, it's almost like they think of it as a fire extinguisher. Like you pull the pin, you point it at it, you pull the trigger, and it makes the fire go away. And, you know, I'll figure that out at a time. But it's a lot more like a martial art. You're not dealing with something that is, you know, incompetent and doesn't care if you extinguish it. You're actually dealing with another human being that, you know, may very well be better than you. Um, and you want, just like if it was just you and your hands, you know, you want to be capable to be versus another person and be able to best them, not just mm -hmm. assume the mere fact that you have a firearm is some sort of a trump card you're going to lay down. Yeah. Right. Because you're probably going to be in your boxer shorts and, you know, half asleep <laughs> yeah. when you need to use it. That's, that's true. Um, well, you guys have anything else to add as far as common mistakes that we see or I want to I want to hear best practices. I, I'm, I've been waiting for this topic. Which one? Josh and common mistakes with firearms and guns. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Josh, what do you see that gets broken the most? <laughs> um, that's based off of operator error? Um, yeah, like bag o gun situation. There's, there's a large sector society that lacks mechanical inclination, and I think that's fine. They're probably a lot better at, you know, computers than I am. But... Um, Knowing who you are what before you, to you about get that screwdriver is, is, is one of the things. Um, and then secondly, beyond that, getting just heavy-handed, you know, and, yeah. and getting a bigger hammer are the people who generally shout out ruin things. Um, I mean, to shout out to Joe Moore. Joe Moore, heavy hammer, <laughs> the wrecking ball. <laughs> Let's dribble it. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'll hear in my office the and, oh, and the Dremel, and the, the Dremel wizards. That's another one. Uh, the kind of catchphrase is Dremel should be an NFA item um, <laughs> because you know a lot of these guys. Uh, for those of you who don't know, NFA items are like you know grenade launchers, full autos, short barrel shotguns, yeah. suppressors. Um, because people do some the Dremel wizards really screw things up. Um, What's the most common? The, probably the most common thing I have come in is a, a Ruger Mark Series pistol. Well, not for a Dremel, but a Ruger Mark Series pistol generally is the thing that people take apart and have no idea how to put it back. They're, they're kind of challenging. It's a multi-step process that you kind of have to have done a few times. And in their um, defense, even Ruger's videos on how to disassemble and reassemble aren't that yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah, that, I recall the first time I ever messed with one, and I cussed at it innumerable times. You just had to do it a few times. Um, but, you know, uh, as far as people destroying things, a lot of times, with, as far as Dremels go, it's people who think they know how to do trigger work. Um, that was they, my idea. That was your, didn't you do try and do a trigger job too? No, no. Way? No? Well, okay, just ignore me. What most people don't realize Bumps is 
it's Don't not, tell anybody. <laughs> when, when you polish anything, you are in the process of removing material. And if you are not perfectly flat to the geometry of that surface that you were doing, you were going to be altering the angle and the geometry of that material as well. Um, the geometry of sear engagement, be that like, you know, whatever's holding back the fire sequence, not to get too heady into it, is very important and critical. The amount of engagement that that sear has to hold back the firing process and the geometry in which it is, well, it needs to have positive or neutral sear engagement when it gets to be negative because you've been in there with a Anyone file. Else just or zone out on Josh's. <laughs> no? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> when you start. <laughs> zone out of geometry is what you said. <laughs> when you start your Dremel wizardry, it um and clipping links off of springs and turning screws that were factory set and thread locked to be a certain thing or removing certain springs um is a problem and, it, and it, you may not even experience that problem right out the gate but if you again polishing removes material most trigger parts anymore are made out of um, metal injection moldings which they're case hardened, they're only hard in about 10 thousandths of the material. So when you polish that away, you're getting into the soft meat and then it's going to wear much more rapidly. Sounds good. What's yeah. for lunch? Mm. So, what, so what you're saying, what I'm hearing is, I can't stone my trigger group with 180 grit sandpaper. That's funny, I was gonna say, what I got was my five pound <laughs> sledge and my 60 grit sandpaper need to get out of my uh, cleaning bag. Yes. I've had a lot of guns that, you know, I've never had a guy actually fess up to having done it, but I've had a lot of guns come in that fire when you turn off the safety, or they'll fire when they're dropped, or they'll belt off about three rounds before they jam up, um, because people have been fidgeting with triggers that don't know what they're doing. And they're um, trying to do something illegal. Well, there some people try to do something that's illegal, and they'll say, like, file off the disconnector because they think, oh yeah, now nothing holds back the hammer. Um, or different things with different, you know, types of firearms. And, which you can't do. Well, which is illegal. <laughs> and it's not going to work anyway. Um, or you get a call from Josh who says, hey man, uh, I'm not going to work on this for you because... My favorite <laughs> is, there's, there's a, I don't know if any of you have been subject to this, but there's a really funny um, thing that goes around as a rumor that if you want to make a gun full auto... You file down the firing pin. Oh yeah, man! Just file down the end of the firing pin. <laughs> It'll make you. And I've heard so many old timers say that, and, but you and it made sense to me just because I'd had things apart, and I'm like, haha. But people do it. I've had dudes come in here looking for firing pins because and they you know, heard through the, the grapevine, and you know, and I'll ask them. I was like, did you file down your firing pin? And they'll just look at me like, oh god, how do you know? <laughs> how did you know? Um, so that I would really like. Let's make this go viral, <laughs> dude. Dude, I was shooting this SKS the other day. My buddy filed down the firing pin. It was like, <laughs> um, I, I like the idea that that's going to continue. Yes, awesome. That's awesome. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening to our third episode. If you guys have suggestions for the next one, feel free to leave it uh, on our Facebook page or give us a call or shoot us an email at. Richard.talbert no, no, at ProShot. No, Chris no. Beckman. Chris, <laughs> Chris collects eggnog recipes, so be sure to what? send him all of your favorite <laughs> Actually, eggnog Actually, I do recipes. love eggnog, uh-huh. to be honest. Um, all right, and reading a review from last time uh, from Cyclone29, because this is the internet and names don't exist. Uh, I used to belong to ProShots before moving to Florida. Very professional and in-depth instruction at the range. Lots of fun to listen to you guys. Remember, 
Richard is number one. Who? I, I, dude, I don't know. What? Some, Richard. Dude, what? I, I didn't even I, know I had that email address. I don't even know. at hotmail.com. What? <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys for listening. Again, Merry just come Christmas. see us at the, at the range and look forward to our next episode. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Oh, ho. <laughs>